If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome on this final Sunday of our Distinguished Pulpit Series to Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. This morning we are delighted to welcome Reverend Dr. Tiffany A. Magel Monroe as our final distinguished pulpit speaker. Tiffany is the executive director of the Oklahoma campus of St. Paul School of Theology. She is also the founder and co-leader of Epiphany Innovations and has served as pastor in the United Methodist Church since 2010. Her undergraduate degree from, came from the University of Oklahoma in Women and Gender Studies. In 2012, she received her Master of Divinity degree with a specialization in Women, Church, and Society from St. Paul School of Theology, and received her doctorate in Church Leadership Excellence from Wesley Theological Seminary in 2018. Tiffany has four children that she shares with Tate Monroe, her partner in all things worth doing, and together they, act, they are active advocates for equity in housing, community development, creation care, human rights, public education, public art, and the LGBTQIA community. Please join me in offering her a warm Mayflower welcome. Will you pray with me? Then little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. When the disciples tried to prevent them, Jesus opened his arms all the wider. Let the children come unto me, he said, and do not stop them. We wonder, Holy One, if the offer is still open. There are, after all, scrapes and scratches from our childhood that still hurt, still cause pain. Those times when we were given something to cry about, when we needed to be tucked into bed but weren't, when we were told it was all our fault, when we went unheard and unseen, when we didn't get enough, and that made us think we weren't enough. Like the children in the story, we need a hug and a prayer. 
So here we are, Holy One, trusting that there is no age limit. Help us take a deep breath and lower our shoulders. Assure us that bruised hearts can heal. Be with us as we learn to be gentle with ourselves and each other. We pray in the name of Jesus, whose words comfort us still. Amen. Our scripture lesson comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Hear now as I read. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, may the meditations of our hearts all of our hearts be solely affixed upon you, and may my words not be of my own, but may they be wholly inspired. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I am so overjoyed to be with all of you this morning, and that sounds like my sorority days. I'm so overjoyed to be here. <laughs> the so was coming out, but apparently I'm very enthusiastic about this opportunity. Um, it is truly a gift to be with you today, and I'm honored uh, to have the opportunity to share these next few moments together. I, I have not come to deliver the most academic prose or even the most effectively exegeted homily. I do not come with a passage never before heard nor colloquy to wisp you away. I come as I am with a message for our weary souls, a message for my preacher heart to yours. Something I've noticed over the last 14 years of preaching is that whatever is to be preached on that coming week God and I wrestle with throughout the week leading up. So by the time it gets to be Sunday, I'm ready to give the message and be done with it. <laughs> I have dealt with it for a week, but I don't know. I, I kind of think there's something that happened this week that, that was needed and might just stick for a while. I needed to delight. My soul was wintering. It has been wintering since January of 2020 when I encountered Father Gregory Boyle in Los Angeles at Homeboy Industries. Father Boyle was inspired as a Jesuit priest not only to pray for the slain gang members in the community just outside the building where he served and spoke of grace and peace and served communion, he was inspired that it was more than just praying for those who were killed outside his doors. Not only to be present at funerals, nor merely show up to read a scripture at a jail cell, he was wholly inspired to intentionally engage these lives. I don't know, as if they mattered. 
And in so doing, he transformed the lost, the discarded, the hated, and the forgotten into a community striving for better, healthier, life-giving instead of life-taking. Do yourself a favor and read the book Tattoos on the Heart by Father Gregory Boyle. Bring tissues, lots of them. After receiving a tour of the Homeboy campus, which also includes Homegirl Bakery, which is so good, a group of colleagues and I sat for a visit with G as the homies, and they, they go by homies, so as G uh, calls them, nothing was sugar-coated. We had a room full of pastors, and he spoke straight, right to the heart of the matter, not to the realities of, he didn't sugarcoat the realities of growing up poor and Hispanic in Los Angeles County. He didn't sugarcoat the average age of gang initiation and gang-related death. He didn't sugarcoat the atrocities of what a system of injustice had brought down upon its own citizens. It was real talk, and it was real hard. G told us that we are all born needing the same things, love, nourishment, shelter. He talked about this in a new book that was just released on tenderness. We are not all born into the same ghetto, he told us. While Homeboy seeks to be attentive to the tangible needs of homies coming out of incarceration, jobs, tattoo removal, they're the largest place for tattoo removal in the world. Parenting classes, legal aid, education, training, food and housing, G spends time on the heart. He said we have to lean into our woundedness See, right there is where my whole world changed. We have to lean into our woundedness, he said. In order to truly love others, we have to lean into the places where we have not loved ourselves or where we have punished ourselves for the love we needed but did not receive. To lean into our wounds and offer that which we find inside of us, our truest self, tenderness. Many more brilliant and earth-shattering things were spoken that morning, at least for me. To love others best, we need to love ourselves better. We cannot get there without the courage and resiliency to seek healing for the wounds we have carried. Within the wounds, I found a deeper compassion and empathy for the wounds of others. Maybe an ability to see wounds in a way I hadn't noticed before because of the cloud of my own pain. Lean into your woundedness, just kept echoing in my mind. Those words would haunt me at first until I accepted the invitation and made friends with that which needed to heal the most, my true self. Much time is spent in our culture focused on accumulating happy. Being happy is seen as something we can attain through consumerism, consumption, commodities, or just willing it to be so. Being happy is strained down to a transaction, one that demands much from us in the hope that we will get a taste of what we seek in return. A transaction our modern reality has failed to produce much of. I'd felt myself and the world around me getting angrier, tense, combative, I'm not sure that we're any different today or I'm any different today than I was when I started in January 2020. 
it just really amped up. The more I encountered my wounds, the less I could ignore the wounds of others and the wounds being caused each and every day in our country and around the world. Gloria Steinem used to say the personal is political. She still does. Boy, howdy, isn't it? Isn't it? I see it now. During the season of wintering, people cried out in anger and passion for racial injustices to no longer be ignored. We were marching for teachers, for women, for bodies and books and quality, for food, for housing, for marriage, for life, for choice, for support, for belonging, for religious freedom, for autonomy, for our own stinking voices. Marching, lifting up banners for being peacemakers, blessed are they not peacekeepers biting that tongue. Humanity was crying out with their feet, their souls, their hands, and their hearts. We winter still. I was a high school senior in Colorado when Columbine happened. I was not a student there, but I had friends there. I knew that library, and I knew those hallways, and that cafeteria very well from debate and band competitions and hanging out with friends in the town next to me. I knew it very well. I'd even met one of the shooters. I was 17, and I've never seen the world the same again. And since that time, we have all experienced one atrocity after another, one vile act against our siblings after another. And I know they existed prior to my awakening to the ways of this broken place. As Stephen King terms in a book, Lisey's story, it's the bad gunky. <laughs> a wise mentor said, hurt people hurt people. I've never quoted anything more in my life. It seems to be we are a very wounded and hurting world. It seems to me the greatest thing this world could encounter at this time is the very gospel, not the twisted and obliterated iteration of Christ via transactional relationship, not God is politician, God is chess piece, God of condemnation and division and shame, God is mascot. No, that's not good news. The good news of the God of love and grace and mercy. Yet how must I, how must we go about this work in the midst of our own open wounds and our righteous anger? Anger that at times drives us to the only holy expression we know, which is lament and exhaustion. How do we see the fires that are burning in our world and not be overtaken by them? Casualties of consciousness, casualties of compassion, casualties of and in creation. How do we enter the awful and somehow still be able to identify the awe? How do we bury teenagers who had very little chance in this life because of circumstance and still somehow find joy? How do we live in the tension of the holy yes and? How do we do this, God? Our scripture today is encouragement from Paul. Hmm, my dear Paul. <sighs> Sometimes he sounds much like my silver linings husband, especially in this passage. Note, my husband, while singing uh, What a Wonderful World, I'm singing in the other room, We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> this is the difference between us. <laughs> I'm ready for anarchy at times, and he just wants to hug everyone. 
We need each other. We clearly need each other. Silver linings have often resulted in my immediate negative reaction. I am a champion eye roller, after all. But it wasn't about toxic positivity or refusal to see reality. It was, for me, an intentional practice. This looking for the, at this silver lining, an intentional practice I'd never tried before, but of seeing all reality, or as much as I could and can. Encouragement from Paul was to do just that, pay attention. Pay attention, take notice is what his words mean to us. Think about it, consider these things. But it was more than mere pondering he calls us to, but practice. Not to just notice the good and the excellent and holy things, but to embody them and keep doing them to become good news. In 2021, musical artist Jason Mraz released an album with a song titled, Look for the Good. And I needed that in 2021. We've heard these words in the oft-used quote attributed to Mr. Rogers' mother of looking for the helpers. But that seems so empty in times of great conflict or global contraction. What if it wasn't looking for the sake of just finding good things? What if, as Paul encourages, we look for that which is holy, that which is awe, and we live into that space, wounds and all? I recently stood on the avenue of giants, not giants of industry, wealth, and Wall Street, not giants we humans create or design or build, giants of a power we cannot harness nor take credit for. The avenue of the giants is in the Pacific Northwest, and there you find those great redwood trees. Trees so large you could live inside them, drive through them. I stood in the middle of a deserted road with my arms stretched. It was a long drive. Ah. But when the ah became ah, something caught my attention. I stopped and I awed. It was just more than that. The next day, I was to take on the oft-times perilous road of the Pacific Coast Highway. I did not know what I was getting into. Um, and I stopped time and time again for the sake of just making sure everybody in the car was still alive. And then also to awe, to wonder, to delight. And at one of these stops, I practiced holy pause and sat with the ocean, not something this recovering workaholic is very good at. To my delight, while my family was ready for us to hit the road and keep moving, a dorsal fin popped up out of the water. Then an entire breach. Look what I would have missed if I only kept driving. Driving forward, driving toward purpose without pause. I would have missed life happening. I would have missed delight. During a dark night of the soul chapter in my life, a spiritual director encouraged me not to focus on happy or being joyful, because I was really forcing myself to like, try to embody these things, but to pay attention to the small wonders that cause me to delight. Delight. She asked what my favorite fruit was, and I said a strawberry, and she said, when was the last time you sat with the strawberry and just took a bite and just delighted in the strawberry? And I'm like, I have no idea. 
Starbucks on, the cu on their cups say that first sip feeling. I remember the first time seeing that cup and going, I don't remember the first sip or the 20th sip. I've just sipped. I don't remember my life. I just lifed. <laughs> I just did the things. I didn't remember it. I was struggling and driving and wrestling and pushing. And I, I'm pretty sure I've been into a strawberry. But I couldn't tell you what it was like. Delight in the little things. That word that has captivated me and taken a seat of honor in my heart, delight. While the world continues to spin and my call to work towards justice continues to grow louder, so too is the invitation to delight. Richard Rohr, who sends out emails, and this came in, in the one this morning, and, and I thought these were some good words to share. He says this, there is a necessary movement between the two ends of the divine human axis, between one's core and the core of God. The only real sin, he says, is to doubt, deny, or fail to experience this basic foundational connection if we don't have some small mirrors, partners, friends, lovers, creation itself, that shows us and tells us we're good, it's very hard to believe in the big goodness, wherever that is, all around us. We need at least an experiential glimpse of this true self before we start talking about being rid of the false or separate self or just getting rid of our wounds altogether. Richard Rohr says, I think the only and single purpose of religion is to lead us to an experience of the true self. Every sacrament, every Bible reading, every church service, every song, every bit of priesthood, ceremony, or liturgy, as far as I'm concerned, is to allow us to experience our true self, who we are in God and who God is in us. Delight reminds us we too are good, come from good, are created good, created very good. Delight draws us back to our true selves and the things of this world that captivate our souls, make us laugh like children, cry with tears of joyous wisdom and knowing. Delighting is a practice of staring in the mirror and then showing the mirror to others. Delight is jumping, cannonballing into the big goodness. Our faith calls us to this place. When was the last time you practiced holy pause in the midst of chaos? Or gave a holy no? When was the last time you gave an unholy yes? When was the last time you paused long enough to delight in something? In scripture it is said to delight in the Lord. Oh, but how can we delight in the Lord if we never stop to notice what is full of awe around us? Awful delight. How do we delight in the Lord when we don't pause to notice what there is to delight in? We are a people called for such a time as this, a time where injustice runs rampant. It's unfair. I've kicked and screamed, did the temper tantrum, changed nothing. This is where we are. This is where we are. We are a people called to prayer, to action, to mercy, to empathy, to change, yet we cannot do all that we are called to. We cannot get into that good trouble if we are not all who we are called to be. We cannot seek healing for the wounds of others and neglect noticing our own wounds. We cannot empathize without pause. We cannot delight without pause. And finding delight in the great and wondrous momentary pauses 
reminds us that we are here to fight for, to live for, to dream for, to work for so much more than this. We are called to good trouble and to delight in it. We are a part of the big goodness. We are harbingers of the good news. We, the people of wounds and delight, the holy yes and, the two things can be right at the same time, kind of knowing. It's not just about looking for the good. Paul was calling us as Jesus called us. Be the good news, don't just tell it. Notice the delight around you and share. Lean into your wounds and sit with the wounds of others. Don't just notice the good news. Embody it. Practice it. Live delight. Look for the things over which you have no power but to delight. Look for the things over which you have no power but to delight. Delight will fuel us and with a flame more sustainable than even our anger, delight will inhabit us. Delight expands us. Delight is the exhale we've been waiting for. Delight is the very thing that can and will drive us towards progress, towards healing, towards justice. For an awful world, it's time we notice the awe it is also full of. At Homeboy Industries, they had a morning meeting, and I loved it because they lasted 15 minutes. I've never been able to pull that off, right? 15-minute meeting. And at the end, they all recognized uh, birthdays, as we often do. But they did something a little different. You see, they didn't take birthdays for granted. Many of us complain, oh, I'm another year older. Ugh, another birthday. Don't celebrate me. Don't acknowledge that I have a birthday. And yet, for those at Homeboy Industries, their birthday was something that was never, ever guaranteed. To make it to the next birthday is a big deal. For many people in our world, they don't see a birthday as a guarantee if they make it to the next birthday. It's a big deal. And so as they celebrated each other's birthdays, they left with these words. They said, happy birthday. We are so glad you were born. And it's changed the way I look at birthdays, how I greet people on their birthdays. And you should, you should see the faces when I say, I'm so glad you were born. And they go, what is she doing? But I am truly so glad that God knew the world needed you. I'm so truly delighted in the fact that you were born, that you're still here that your resilience and courage continues to move you each and every day. I'm so glad you were here. You are here and you will be here. I delight in your life. Delight in your life even when it's hard. But preacher, I mean, that's really easy to say. I know, I know. I've lived in this shadow world for a little bit. It's, it's not that easy to say because I'm not always sure how to do it, but that's why it's a practice. And I figure it out as we go. But in that book, Tattoos on the Heart, G references a story, so you gotta read it, because I'm not gonna give you the whole thing, of a young girl, teenager, she's in a gang, she's in the community around his church, his parish, and there's a dance coming up. And this impoverished area, they, somebody brought in dresses, and she got this dress and she felt like a princess. She felt on top of the world. She'd never felt like this before. And she was so excited, she came running in. This is in the midst of literally 
the hell she lived in, she donned a dress used from somebody else, discarded, and she put it on like it was the most fashionable designer piece someone could create for her, and she walked into G's office because she couldn't wait for him to see her. Look, I can spin, and she's so proud of it, and he's happy for her, and he compliments her, but then on the way out the door, she turns and she says, hey, G, will you make sure that when you do my funeral, I'm wearing this dress. Mm. And he said it took him a minute to think about it. And he realized she never thought she'd make it 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now when that teeny tiny little dress wasn't going to work anymore. He realized she didn't think that. She thought she would die as a teenager. And this dress made her feel so alive, delighted her so deeply, she wanted to make sure she was buried in that dress. How do we delight in the most difficult circumstances? I don't know, but I believe we were created to find a way. Maybe it's a pause that shows you a dorsal fin. Maybe it's a giant tree you know you have nothing to do with creating. Maybe it's a moment where a child laughs. How in the world can we fight for the rights of children if we don't delight in them? How can we delight better and more? So I'm going to leave you with these lyrics, or I'll talk to you all day. And I don't know about your people, Lori, but my people always wanted to eat at some point. So yeah, um, there's no sandwiches provided right now, so I'm going to let you out early. <laughs> um, so I leave you with these words from Jason Mraz's song, Look for the Good. And, and it's, kind of, it's got a little reggae vibe. So if you're looking to kind of lift your spirit and have a moment of delight, I encourage you to find this song and listen to it. Um, but here are some of the lyrics. Look for the good in everything. Look for the people who will set your soul free. It always seems impossible until it's done. Look for the good in everyone. Everyone needs sunshine. Everyone needs rain. Everyone is carrying around some kind of pain. I see who you are, you're just like me. I see you searching for a purpose guided by a dream. I see who you are, I'm just like you. I get lost sometimes and I forget what I came here to do. I keep on trying. When it gets frightening, look for the good in everything. Look for the good, be the good. Amen and amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Rev. Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.